The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today my guest on Off the Shelf is Tiffany Hickson. Tiffany is the Assistant Commissioner for the Professional Services and human capital categories at the Federal Acquisition Service within GSA. Did I General Services Administration <laughs> get the full name out there, Tiffany? Did I get that I okay? You, I think you forgot the Assistant Commissioner part, but I yeah, can't remember. No, no, because, I think you know, I did say that. I, no, I mean, the, no, no. the titles are really long. Not my idea. Right, but that's right. okay. That that I, that is my job at GSA. <laughs> was, I've been I've been practicing all morning for that, Tiffany. I don't know so. And you're also the government-wide executive for the professional services category. That's I correct, am. right? So I you am. wear two hat, two big hats, and uh, we'll talk about that in, yeah. in a bit on the show. But first, importantly, it's great to see you. Nice to see in you person. Too. I know in yeah, person. Yeah. This wow. Is great. Yeah. How about really that? Nice to be getting back into the swing of things. So. That's right. And and Tiffany, you have the honor of being my first guest in Aww. studio again. So. I'm so lucky. Um, it's, yeah, it's great to see it. Absolutely. And thank so. you for the opportunity. I really do appreciate it. Well, I'm looking forward to the conversation, and we should, I guess, dive right into it. And I guess first, off the top, I will ask you about the interplay between you know your role as the assistant commissioner for the professional services and human capital categories and uh, serving as a government-wide executive for professional services category. How do those things two sort of play together? It's interesting. GSA is in a fairly unique position as it um, relates to professional services in particular, which I'm the category executive for. We manage the only government-wide contracts for professional services and human capital services too, although I don't serve as the category executive in that role. And so I think we're in a pretty unique position really to have a lot of insight and dialogue with federal agencies around what their requirements are for services, how our contracts are meeting those needs, um, how they're not. Um, so, I, you know, GSA is really in a, in a great position to be in a leadership role there. And so we spend a lot of time talking to federal agencies about really the future, how to what's working in in the services acquisition space, what isn't, and how we can really bring agencies together to collectively improve how we're spending um, for services in government. And it's really not that glamorous, um, but there's a, a lot of really important work that happens um, with federal agencies from a category perspective uh, in services. We meet quarterly uh, to talk about how we're engaging with industry, what are the best practices, how we can roll those best practices across government, um, performance-based services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has not gone away. No, it ha- and, and it shouldn't go away. And right? it shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, and we're working hard to improve in that space. Um, so it, you know, we're just lucky. Is it a collegial group when you have these quarterly meetings? Do you it guys is. all get along? We right? do. We do. <laughs> Good. Uh, we've had a couple of different versions of uh, in this interagency working group since uh, category management uh, was established. What has it been now? Six six years? Something. Five, like six that. years, something yeah. like that. Maybe um, and 
over this last year, we actually broke it up into several different working groups, and I think that's a little more effective. Um, we're focused on defense, and so we've got a defense working group. We've got DHS, state, um, other civilian agencies as a second working group. And I think we've had much more effective conversations by really organizing around mission space, um, given that people are Mm -hmm. buying different types of things in the services space. Yeah, there's probably a commonality of issues, but then unique issues to the different missions Mm -hmm. that folks are talking about. Mm -hmm. In particular, related to industry. Um, So the industrial base is shared in a lot of spaces, but as you get down into civilian versus DOD, the industrial bases, um, or state and USAID, um, those industrial bases are very different. Um, So when we talk about outreach to industry, what are the trends in those spaces, that kind of thing, really having those more bifurcated discussions have been a lot more effective. So let's talk about the category in sure. general, right, and sort of what's been going on, so you know, what happened last fiscal year and sort of where things are going this fiscal year. So, And yeah, we know. just uh, wrapped up counting up all the spend. Um, congratulations. And, and, well, <laughs> congratulations really to the federal government. It was a huge, another huge year for professional services. Um, this last year we spent over $110 billion government-wide in professional services, which was another increase, uh, about 9%, over 2021. And in terms of the things that we measure in the category management space, which is spend under management, um, is still a goal for the administration and for our category. And so we pay attention to what's happening in that space. This last year was the first year that we were able to count uh, any small business spend as what we call tier two, um, or it's a tier two level of maturity. Um, there are three levels of maturity uh, in category management. Uh, what we talk, talk about is tier one is really agency level, um, okay. IDIQ contracts and that kind of thing. And then tier two are contracts like mass or the multiple award schedules that GSA holds um, and also small business spend now. Um, and so this and what's was tier three. That's the oh goal. tier three. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, is best in class contracts. Uh, so contracts like uh, Oasis and Alliant, um, CIOSP, NIH four. I forget what number we're on. Um, so those contracts are all best in class contracts. Are some schedule items best in class? How does that? Yeah, there are. There are several SINs uh, that are best in class as well, some in the IT category um, and in professional services. Right now, we only have one uh, best in class SIN, which is for identity protection services. Okay. So, do you have a sense of what well, is it? Is it just the budgets going up, missions increasing, nine, the 9% number? We're coming out of COVID, I guess, people trying to figure things out. What, what are you seeing in terms of what's I think it's it? really being driven by the, the budget and COVID. Um, both of those things, I think, really played into it. This is the fifth year that we've seen pretty significant increases in the professional services space, and most of that has been driven by the budget. We've got money to spend on services, so that's really what's driving it. Yeah, and you know, from your perspective, the role of the IDIQ contracts, just generally where things are, you know, you talk about the best-in-class spend and Tier 3, which you mentioned Oasis, and like the identity protection is there on the schedules and then Align, all those others. But just how are people looking to the IDIQs more? Are they, 
you know, they are your vehicles in particular. They are. There are several. I think we've got six or seven best in class contracts that really contribute to spend in the professional services space. Oasis, our unrestricted program, and also Oasis Small Business are the majority of that spend. This last year, uh, spend was up about $2 billion uh, through our best-in-class contracts across government for professional services for a total of a little more than $15 billion, which is the most that we've seen through those contract programs. Um, and a lot of that is... Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, well, we're, we're pretty pleased that the contract is really meeting the mission needs. And so for agencies across government, continuing to buy through best-in-class contracts remains a priority because they're best-in-class contracts. Um, There's a lot of data and information that we collect uh, through those contract programs um, along with performance requirements that really reflect the needs of federal agencies. And so that's why they tend to be a preferred contract vehicle. $15 billion out of $110 billion. Okay, we're meeting our best-in-class contracts, right, are meeting some of that need, but clearly not all of it. Um, And so, you know, we've got work to do. We've got some new contract vehicles that we'll talk about later in our discussion. I'm looking forward Uh, to that part of the conference, as I think all the listening audience will be too. Um, But just back on the data that the best-in-class you're collecting, how how is that, you know, sort of, you know, pushing the mission forward in terms of does it provide you – insights into you know, what the customer is looking for, mm-hmm. the pricing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And there's a, a couple of things we look at. One is the data based on what agencies are, are buying through these best-in-class contracts. Small business spend continues to be really important, and you're seeing that through, in particular, the Oasis contract program. About half of that spend is uh, done through Oasis Small Business, not Oasis Unrestricted. The other half is. Um, but th- that's huge uh, in terms of uh, accessing small business through that. Also, uh, 8A Stars uh, is uh, also used uh, to access small business. Uh, you think, hey, that's an IT contract. You know what? But what we see in the coding is that, you know, there are some uh, professional services that are being purchased through some of those contract vehicles. Um, so they remain really important tools to access small business. Well, Tiffany, we're up on the break right now, but when we come back, we'll continue our discussion of the professional services category, what's going on, maybe take a little dive into schedules and some of the other uh, things you're responsible for. My guest today is Tiffany Hickson. She is the Assistant Commissioner for the Professional Services and Human Capital Categories at the Federal Acquisition Service in GSA. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Tiffany Hickson. Tiffany is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories at FAS and GSA. And I'm going to screw that up at some point when I do the introductions (laughs) in the next couple segments, Tiffany. But... um, yeah, we were talking about the professional services category, sort of writ large, the big picture. And last year, you said $110 billion in um, services spend, and Oasis had a great year. The usage of the contracts gone way up. Well, one of the things, just thinking, looking forward, now we're in FY23, right? And That's right. Not right. And you know how it works, right? Well, you've done a great job, but what are you going to do next? So um, what are you going to do next? What are some of your key initiatives? 
we've got a number of initiatives, and I'll talk about several of them here that may be of interest uh, to your listeners. And the first, of course, is Oasis Plus. While we were off air, folks, we were <laughs> talking about um, how much GSA contracts are used in the professional services space. Uh, and really, we're at about 20% of spend. So, what, $12.5 billion went through Oasis last year and through schedules. This is about $10 billion, which leaves about over $80 billion, right, um, right, right that right. Are, are being acquired through standalone, largely standalone IDIQ contracts and open market spend. And, you know, my goal is to set up contracts that agencies want to use and with 80-plus percent of spend – not going through our contracts, you know, we've got work to do. Um, and so uh, Oasis Plus uh, is the next generation of IDIQ contracts that, that our agency is working and putting in place for, for federal government. And I'm really hoping that that is going to – it has a much broader scope. So Oasis Plus is a, is a big initiative for us this year, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we're also speaking of, of the future and really positioning ourselves to try some – different ways of buying services and meeting, maybe meeting a, a market need and small business need that we haven't been able to to date is we're starting uh, market research on the use of commercial platforms for services. That's another initiative that we are uh, kicking off this year. And whether or not those types of platforms would be something that the federal government could use. Um, there is a platform right now that I know is focused on government. I won't use their trade name here, um, but they've done some innovative work. Um, there are also commercial platforms that are buying services for your babysitters, for Rover, for your yeah. pet sitters. Right. Um, I know that there are In our some... case, it's Rosie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thumbtack. Uh, you know, there are a number of commercial platforms that are focused on services. And I, I think there's a gap uh, in the kinds of services that our big IDIQ contracts and the multiple award schedules focus on. And, and maybe commercial platforms can fill a niche. Temporary services. What if you were able to go onto one of these platforms and have a temp come in and help you? Um, if you needed to have a consultant come in for just a small job, really in the micro-purchase, uh, simplified acquisition purchases space, sure, yep. maybe there's really a need, right, for us to be able to use that type of platform to easily bring in those types of services. So we are starting work on that. We are conducting a request for information uh, and really starting to do our analysis um, we've drawn no conclusions. We're just looking at the data and starting to see if that's something that we should invest in. And are you going to be? You're obviously going to be talking to your customer base too, potentially. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. I think first we're just looking at what's the technology, how okay. is it being used, what are the opportunities for it to fit into our micro or simplified acquisition space. Um, and of course, my office also manages the federal purchase card program right. uh, for government. And how does purchase card and how could purchase card play in that space? Um, so really some interesting questions that we're asking around how that kind of new technology could support government in a different way. Right. And I would think from that perspective, too, it would be something that small businesses would probably. Oh, be absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You know, there was an interesting kind of 
case that came up, I would call it like a case study or something that came up. Um, we were trying to arrange for our administrator was coming out to our offices in Tacoma. And we needed to have an AV set up um, done at a courthouse uh, that was was next door. And we actually don't have enough AV providers on schedule. And wouldn't, you know, commercial platform, if you could just go online and have pre-vetted small businesses that provide those types of services, it'd be great if you could just go online and order them and they'd show up and do what they need to do and uh, you know, I'm sure we're not the only agency that has those routine types of requirements Sure. Um, yeah. where we really have a gap um, in, the, in the big contract programs that, that we manage. I would imagine one of the things that agencies would be interested in, too, is being able to get credit their goals for those kind of purchases. Michael. Absolutely. So that's pretty interesting. Um, we're also continuing to, to work on, from an equity perspective, really working through how we can better support small businesses that are in particular on our multiple award schedules program. We still have a pretty good size gap in the number of businesses, small businesses that are getting sales on our multiple award schedules contracts. So we have a pretty robust education program already. Um, We're really looking to expand that, um, have deeper conversations with small businesses about the support that they need from GSA to be more competitive in the federal space using our multiple award schedules program. Um, so we're focusing a lot on that and um, just general industry engagement. Um, we are setting up a working group across government so we can start to leverage all the best practices that are happening across government in terms of how we are outreaching to industry, how we're engaging them, how we're getting feedback, um, and how we can improve how we're generally um, procuring uh, professional services. And, and for the oh, as part of that, you're going to talk to industry about the most effective ways to en- to engage. Absolutely. And and I think we're also starting to get a lot of feedback. If we could automate a lot of the request for information uh, process that agencies yeah. go through, how can we kind of reduce the noise in that space, quote unquote? But that tends to be a really big issue. So how can we leverage yeah. technology? What are industry's thoughts in that space? You know, that kind of right. thing. Right. It's kind of the issue like, well, you need to talk to us, but then you know, don't over it, right? It's that noise you mentioned, too too many requests, too much time for industry. Yeah. It's you know, a, and it costs money, right, for, it, for you and for, for a government and industry to do that. So, you know, being strategic about that, mm-hmm. effective, that's going to be interesting. It, we are all doing so many requests for information that in, for many procurements, especially the smaller ones, we're not getting any responses. Right, and that's, too much, right? that's not effective. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're spending time talking to industry about that. Uh, and then lastly, we are continuing to work on and expand what we call the Civilian Services Acquisition Workshop Program, um, which is picking up on a best practice from DOD, um, where you bring uh, the entire procurement team together to build a performance-based work statement, performance-based acquisition strategy, that kind of thing for a services procurement. And we offer this as a we. GSA and my office uh, support this as really what we consider a value-added uh, mm-hmm. service to agencies who uh, they don't even have to use a GSA contract. Um, right. You know, we believe good in government. It That's is right, yeah. good for government. Um, I'm a huge fan of 
And I still think it's important that we continue to double down on performance-based service contracting, focus on outcomes uh, when we're buying services, not focus on the, the labor categories that we're buying. And our civilian services acquisition workshops really help teams come together to figure out how to do that and do that in a smart way. So and through that ser- civilian services acquisition workshop and the industry engagement, it seems to me those are complementary in a sense, right? To the extent you're getting feedback from industry on what works or doesn't Absolutely. work, that can flow into mm-hmm. some of these workshops and mm-hmm. things you're doing. Yeah. Right. So, Absolutely. you know, we're up on the break. Um, when we come back, um, I think we'll touch a little bit on the schedules. Yeah, we didn't get to this segment, just, you know, where things are, what's going on, just a quick update. Okay. And then maybe turn to um, more about Oasis Plus. Okay. Okay. My guest today is Tiffany Hickson. She is the Assistant Commissioner for the Professional Services in the Human Capital Categories. Did I get that right, Tiffany? You did. Okay. And I'm Roger Walder, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walder, and my guest today is Tiffany Hickson in studio. Uh, Tiffany is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories at the Federal Acquisition Service in GSA. I almost thought I was going to faint going through that whole <laughs> title. I had to take a breath. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, so, Tiffany, we talked, um, you know, about the category and some of your key initiatives. Just a little bit about some of the other contract vehicles that are uh, in your area of responsibility. Absolutely. And uh, number one uh, among those outside of um, our OASIS contract program is the multiple award schedules. It's a big part of what we do. We manage right now, I think we're pushing about 5,000 multiple award schedule contracts. The majority of those are with small businesses. Um, So we spend uh, a lot of time uh, working on mass. And this year, we are really working to finish up uh, the consolidation process uh, so we can all get that off of our plate, both industry and us. Um, I know our our contracting officers are looking forward to getting that uh, behind us. So I wanted to ask you about that just real quickly, though. Just, you know, are you seeing the benefits accrue from that, you know, efficiency perspective? You know, I know it's a lot of work to get it in place, but once you do that, I think both for industry and government, are you seeing that? Yes. And, of course, this is the second time, right? Yeah, you did the first one (laughs) just for professional services, but generally – you know, some folks took advantage of that, I guess, and we're still in the process when mm-hmm. GSA decided that mm-hmm. imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and Apparently. said, we'll consolidate everything. Yeah. Um, and yes, I mean, I think it's a lot easier to come in after you've got one large contract and be able to add new services, new offerings through a modification than having to go through a whole new offer process. Um, it's e- much easier for for industry and for us. It's also uh, a huge benefit to the agencies that are using our schedules. When they need something new, we're able to move much more quickly uh, to get those things on, on contract. So, you know, consolidation is a big deal, and we want to get it done for those primary reasons. Um, right. And it's, you know, we're in our second big year of that. And, of course, most of the consolidation work that we are doing right now are with our biggest contracts. And so they're the most complex. They take the most time for us to get through that. But um, we're we're pushing hard to right. get that and wrapped up this year. And I think from probably from a customer perspective, it's easier to, for them to find. Yeah, they, they now they can order – 
multiple types of services and don't have to worry about, hey, I can't cross contracts. Right. Um, now they can just say, here are the SINs, um, any companies that are on these special item numbers are really our version of CLINs on the multiple award schedules. They can do that. Um, it's, it's a huge benefit across the board. Right. And I understand you're do- doing some interesting things, the assisted acquisition services program in terms of BOAs mm-hmm. and use of BOAs mm-hmm. to support state and locals. First yeah. of all, what's a BOA? First a BOA all, is a uh, blanket ordering agreement, um, and it is different than a blanket purchase agreement. And it really is intended to meet needs and to pre-vet contractors to provide services. We know what the services are. We just don't know how much we're going to buy of them. Um, and so it's really kind of a pre-positioned agreement that uh, allows us to streamline the acquisition process. And it is, uh, in my view, uh, a best practice and a tool that has been really well used by DOD, mostly in the parts kind of space. Mm-hmm. When COVID came along, there were a number of needs uh, that were brought to GSA in the services space. And one was state and local governments wanting to leverage the multiple award schedules for healthcare services. Um, there was a huge need for healthcare workers, um, and they were having a hard time finding them. Um, and so we leaned forward um, in partnership with FEMA uh, to my office did. Um, we also do assisted acquisition services stuff when we're not doing big, huge government-wide contracts, um, but partnered with FEMA to put in place a whole series of blanket purchase agreements, first uh, in the Pacific Northwest, um, where states, uh, I think Idaho, Alaska, and Washington are three states that ended up using blanket purchase agreements that we set up uh, to access uh, health care services. And BOAS. BOAS. Says, yeah, That's right. You said BPA. Oh, so did I see? I, Look at so, I'm just you know, as bad yeah. as everybody else. Uh, yeah. Goodness sakes. Um, so we put in those BOAS in place and learned some lessons from that, right? Um, and based on those lessons, we improved the contract vehicles and tweaked them a little bit. Uh, we also put in place... Uh, or expanded access to those blanket order agreements to the entire country and work with CDC uh, to, to get that word out to you know all the state and local governments that if they needed to access multiple award schedules when we had these uh, blanket ordering agreements uh, in place, and if they needed anything from us to, to please reach back and we could better support them. But it is a unique feature of the multiple award schedules that when we're in emergency, um, state and local governments are able to use them. Yeah, they're authorized by statute to do That's that. That's right. So and I understand, too, you're, you've done some stuff with the Federal Permitting Improvement Steering Council. Council. That's right. So what's that all about That's in terms right. of the BOAs and what, what's going on? Well, for um, the Infrastructure Act and a lot of the big investments that we're, we're going to be making and improving the, the nation's infrastructure, there's a lot of permitting work uh, that needs to get done. And we were so pleased with the work that we did with the blanket order uh, agreements for state and locals. We said, hey, maybe we should do that for the federal government, too. Um, and the, the permitting council is really focused on streamlining the permitting process so these large projects can get underway. Uh, and we put in place a series of blanket ordering agreements that pre-position contractors to support federal agencies with doing the permitting work that needs to happen. 
Um, and depending on the project, it could be environment. Most of it's environmental in nature, in terms of doing the environmental clearances and that kind of thing. So, if agencies need help in that space, um, we work with the council to put these blanket ordering agreements in place. That's interesting. And I know another contract. Let's turn real quickly before we start really diving into Oasis Plus. But uh, sure. HCATS. That's another um, contract vehicle. That's within your portfolio? It is. It is. And and HCAT's had a really, really great year. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, agencies are really finding it helpful for the services that are under that contract program. Uh, and in this last year, I think it grew over 50% in terms of usage, uh, which is a good thing. We want agencies to use our contracts or what's the point? Um, so we're really super pleased um, with the both DOD and DHS have started to, to leverage that contract for uh, their human capital training requirements uh, in particular. Um, so pretty pleased with that. Um, HCATS also went through an on-ramping process uh, and set up uh, its 8A program. Um, so you know those are also being leveraged now too. So we're, we're pretty pleased with the progress that it's making. So does HCATS and all that sort of, does it end up in Oasis Plus moving forward? How, how is that going to work out? HCATS has a fairly tailored scope. Um, so when HCATS does expire and uh, unrestricted expires in March of 2027, small business expires in May of 2027, uh, and the 8A in December of 2025, um, when the contract ends, those services will be picked up through Oasis Plus. But because the HCAT scope is pretty tailored, we're actually setting up, a, as part of the second phase of awards we'll be doing on Oasis Plus, a much broader scope of human capital services under Oasis Plus that HCAT doesn't even cover today. Okay. Interesting. And you know what? We're we're just about up at the break. So I want to – so we'll we'll save Oasis Plus for the – for the last segment, and I'll just to tee it up, I'll say, you know, so Oasis has been a, a big success, and I know you referenced earlier in the show, you know, over $12 billion in, you know, service support provided to customer agencies uh, last fiscal year. So it's uh, so it's like, as you know, it's like, what have you done for us lately, right? That's what your, <laughs> yeah, that's what management hears, uh, right, from the C-level suites kind of thing, right? Um so it'll be interesting to see, and we can we will talk about you know Oasis Plus and where you're heading and vision for it uh, when we come back. My guest today is Tiffany Hickson. She is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories at the Federal Acquisition Service in GSA. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walder, and my guest today is Tiffany Hickson. Tiffany is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Categories at the Federal Acquisition Service and GSA. She also serves as the government-wide executive for, for the professional services category. And, um, you know, government-wide, there's nothing more government-wide than Oasis Plus, Tiffany, and we're finally here people who we can talk about. <laughs> we teased the entire show. So, uh, Tiffany, you know, where are you on it? What are some of the key you know, features of it? How has it evolved? That's multiple questions, and I'm just going to turn it over. How has it evolved from Oasis, or what's sure. your vision? So, sure. Please. 
There may be some people that don't know what Oasis Plus is, so I'll probably probably start with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oasis Plus is a a new government-wide contract that we are developing uh, to cover complex and integrated non-IT services. So basically, if it's a service, it's not IT, it's something complex, integrated, you need some highly qualified contractors for, uh, we are getting ready to, to put that in place. Why is it called PLUS? Well, it, it's really building on the brand of Oasis, which is our current government-wide contract that provides for those services. And as you know, we spent, um, your listeners may not know, but you know, that we spent quite a bit of time working through what we were going to call it. Yes, um, we did. And yes, we, did. we ended up settling on uh, Oasis Plus because it really is uh, much broader in scope. And some key things that we heard from federal agencies about Oasis and what we learned about Oasis, because it was a new contract program too, was that the, the scope was far too tailored. And so the, the biggest message, you know, I want to get out is this is not Oasis. Uh, It really is an expanded version of the current contract that we have, and we'll have much more services available to federal agencies on it. Um, And we've heard a a lot of really positive feedback from federal agencies um, about that. So when you expanded services, I go back, I'm thinking about, you know, just that $110 billion in obligations last year. You're really just opening up this vehicle for additional opportunities for agencies to meet their needs through it, right? And, and that's right. And industry to be prepared and compete for those requirements. That's right. right yeah. That's right. We were pretty focused on, so for some key differentiators in, in this scope, Oasis was really focused on non-commercial. Um, Oasis Plus, you can buy both commercial and non-commercial services, which is a, a big distinction. Um, and I think that's going to help us address a lot of the need that's not getting met through uh, government-wide contracts uh, today, at least in terms of the complex side of that. So you can really have hybrid contracts. Um, you can have all the different pricing types. You can buy commercial stuff, non-commercial stuff. We've got all the clauses baked in there and that kind of thing. And I think that um, is is really going to be helpful Also, Oasis was focused uh, just on professional services. So if you had task orders that were primarily focused in in areas where the Service Contract Act, um, there's a lot of technical procurement mumbo-jumbo in here, Um, but you, you weren't able to award that under Oasis. So if you wanted to buy a, a big services contract that was integ- integrated and had multiple types of services, and a good example of this is aircraft maintenance. There's a lot of things that happen on aircraft maintenance contracts that are not just about repairing the aircraft. Um, there are lots of other professional services that are wrapped up in there, but the primary cost and labor categories and that were actually, you know, the people that go and actually repair the aircraft. Sure. And so you couldn't do it under Oasis. Um, we couldn't do facilities um, support contracts um, under Oasis. So we're really opening up the scope uh, to do a lot more of that work. Cyber, um, since we awarded Oasis, has really expanded uh, in terms of the kinds of requirements that we're hearing from agencies. So we've added that scope. There's probably some other stuff in there, too. Um, So for the contract structure, as I understand it, you're going to have an unrestricted and then separate contracts for small Mm -hmm. business. 
Yeah, there are a couple of other features outside of Scope that are very different. Um, on Oasis Plus, first, we've, Oasis Plus is actually a family of six different contract programs. Um, there is an unrestricted contract program, and then we've got five contract programs set aside for small businesses. Um, and depending on the kind of small business you are, you could compete in or participate in one or more. Right. Um, yeah. All of those those uh, contract families. Um, and so that's a big differentiator. Oasis didn't have we, – we could do small business set-asides under Oasis. It was just structured differently. Um, so this time uh, we, we set up six different contract programs. Um, also, no price. Um, we are not evaluating labor category rates. We're using the authority 876, oh, that's right? right. right. That's so. right. I never say that because no one knows what we're talking about. You're a lawyer, so you know what no, I'm talking don't, about. Don't hold that against yeah. me. <laughs> um, but, but that's yeah, good. That's, for, yeah. And for services, especially for complex integrated services, in my view, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you don't know what the requirement is uh, until you know what the requirement is. Uh, and having industry really compete at the task order level based on what the requirement is, how complex the deliverables are, what the risk levels are, I think, um, is really in the best interest of government. Um, and so we're pretty excited to be able to use that authority on this contract program, which was not true for our existing contract programs. Um, this contract also has no contract ceiling. It's a new contract program. Our goal, right, is that, you know, agencies really adopt and, and use it, but we're not sure what that looks like. Um, right. So the senior procurement. So no ceiling in a 10-year period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So the senior procurement executive um, accepted that argument and is supporting us with getting a waiver um, on that. Uh, also, a really, really big differentiator between Oasis and Oasis Plus is um the industrial base and how we're managing that. There is no cap on the number of awards we're going to be making. Um, so most of our contract programs have, you know, had there's 60 spots. You get a spot. That's it. We spend a lot of time in protest land, um, you know, d- dealing with, you know, companies that weren't able to get on contract. And in my view, at least for Oasis, because it was the only best-in-class contract for professional services, I really wanted to make some adjustments in terms of how we were handling the number or who we were allowing on the contract, let's put it that way. Um, so let's set the standard, make sure that standard really meets what the federal, uh, our federal agency acquisition workforce needs. And if companies meet that bar, they can get on the contract. Um, and we're going to get through this initial source selection. Um, and when we're done with that, we will reopen uh, the solicitation to allow companies to come in through the life of the contract. That's the goal. So are you going to have continuous open seasons or – That's the goal. That's the goal or sometimes mm-hmm. in the in the distant past, the schedules didn't have continuous open seasons. No, but they, they had didn't. An open season, yeah. yeah for so certain months of the year, you could submit an offer. Yeah, something. we're we're pretty used to on the math side. Yeah. we we manage that too. Uh, managing offers coming in all the time, and it's actually a lot more manageable for offers to be coming in pretty steadily versus having kind of this. Let's have an on ramp. Let's close the on ramp. Um, and so we're going to try that out. And I hedge a little bit on. You know, is it always going to be open? Well, as we get towards the end of the performance period, that may not make sense 
to continue to have it open in year nine, right? Um, yeah, it may. Be a, yeah, the, well, then you, the people are be better off looking to the next one. That's right. Right, right? spending that, the resources. Yeah, right. that's right. That's right. So uh, I'm really hoping those two contract features um, help us. And what we really heard from federal agencies is not – it is about making sure that companies, when they're qualified, can then get on the contract. There's going to be companies that aren't qualified today, but in four years they could be. And having that open season and having no cap on the number of awards um, allows us that flexibility. Um, or we've got new entrants into the market, right? Um, what we heard from federal agencies is, you know, our, our, co- our contractors weren't paying attention. They didn't get on the contract. Um, how, how can you make that happen? Well, now we can kind of address that issue by just having no cap and allowing for an open season. And then you have domain structures we do. as well. Um, we do. We're getting close on time. Okay. Uh, you want me to hit the wrap it up button? No, no. But I did want to ask you one thing. Sure. The domains include multiple NAICs, right? Is that? They yeah, do. Right. So they it's, do. it's almost, I wouldn't now, it's almost like a big line item. Yeah. In a certain sense, right? Yeah. And also, that's the last kind of big differentiator between the two contracts is this domain structure where really we're having companies that are experts in doing work in a particular domain competing against one another uh, to uh, deliver you know those services to federal agencies. Last question on it. So just engagement with the customer base and the what, what sort of your prospects for um, – you know, growing it. I know the scope is going to grow. So you have the platform mm-hmm. and just your engagement with uh, customer agencies. And, 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 and as part of that OMB, um, you know, they've got a, they're part of this process. Is that, is that fair to say? Just you have to brief them or let them know what's going on? Or Well, OMB has been along for the ride uh, okay. since we – I actually started talking about this uh, idea probably five years ago. And they're, they're at yes and yes. And as long as we meet the best-in-class contract criteria, I think OMB is going to be pretty pleased with it. Great. Your biggest – just to back on the customer, your biggest customers are DOD. That's right. 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 So – I spend a lot, a lot of time uh, right. with uh, the leaders uh, in DOD in the services acquisition space, talking about their requirements, getting their feedback in terms of what's working, what's not working um, on our contracts. Um, so, you know, that isn't ending when we right. award the contract. They're a, a continuous part, really, of giving us feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, our relationships with them really through category management have really, I think, improved GSA's ability to meet their needs. Great, great. So, oh, Tiffany, thanks so much for coming in. Oh, thank you, Roger. First, I really the, appreciate it. The first guest in studio since COVID, so Tiffany Hickson. I want to thank Tiffany. Uh, she is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Professional Services and Human Capital Category at the Federal Acquisition Service and GSA. I'm Roger Walder, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.